You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble on the drum and kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum and kick all trouble out the door. Kick him 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 out the Welcome to Radical Australia and Community Radio 3CR. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. It's streaming on 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano and I'm hosting today's special program and we've got an extraordinary guest. Uh, Kelly, where did you find this person? Oh, in the bottom of a bucket, I think. Did you? You didn't dismember her, did you? No. No, you pulled her out. Very hole. gently. Gently. You extracted her from the hundreds of I coaxed guests. her out of the bucket. Did you? Yes. Oh, no, it's very good, Kelly. You're the world's greatest producer. I am. I know you are. I don't have to tell anybody. You know you are and everybody knows you are. Now, Paul Rose Turtle is at the end of the microphone. She's wondering what she's letting herself in for. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Good. Right, Rose. Look, you don't have to answer this question, but... You know, okay. it's, it's just it's just to orientate our listeners. I mean, you can yeah. make it up, but uh, okay. What year were you born? Oh, okay. Um, I was born in the year of Woodstock, nineteen sixty-nine. You're a relative youngster. Oh, 69. am I? Sixty-nine. Sixty-two. I'm fifty-two now. Yeah. Yeah, you're a youngster. The year of Woodstock. You weren't. You weren't. Um, Conceived at Woodstock, were you by some chance? No, no, no. nothing like that. Right. Name you a long way away from there. <laughs> right. So, uh, where were you born? I was born in Tasmania, Devonport. Tas- Devonport, the good the great old great way to Tasmania. Yes, with the big smokestacks and the was it the, the smelters and the smell. Oh no, no, that's Bernie. That's oh, Bernie. that's Bernie. Ah, oh, oh, you're, you're the you're the app you're the apple capital, are you? I know we're, we're where the boat comes in, Devonport. Really? I should yeah. know that. I, I go to Tasmania quite regularly and I never knew oh. I was going to Devonport in the boat. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people um, arrive off the boat and just get out as fast as possible. Yeah. And don't go. Yeah. Don't hang around in Devonport. Yeah, it's but quite... it's a great place to grow up. Really? Oh, well, tell us about yeah, it. What was it like? Oh, uh, well... well we lived not too far from the beach, so we spent a lot of time on the beach and, mm-hmm. you know, walked around, walked into uh, over over rivers and visited our cousins at the farm. So we kind of spent a lot of time sort of, I don't know, outside exploring, I think, yeah. 
Sounds good. Yeah, because well, you know, we've got the river and the and the coast, mm-hmm. and you, and then you can see Mount Roland in the background. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of surrounded by mm-hmm. it's surrounded by all different sorts of nature. How how far are you from Penguin? Penguin, oh, about uh, an hour. I've I've been more fascinated by Penguin than Devonport, but that's, that's yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, are your parents still alive? Um, my mum is, yeah. and my my father died when I was seventeen. Seventeen. Hmm. And do you have any memory? Now. You have much, 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 many memories about your dad? Oh yeah, 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 a lot. He was really a fantastic man. Right. He was he was Hungarian. He mm-hmm. came out. In 1939, he was Hungarian Jew, and he came out when he was 18 with his his parents and his brother, and they, you know, came straight to Northwest Tassie in this tiny little farming community. It was a bit of a shock for them, <laughs> but then eventually they sort of became farmers and had a cheese factory. And but yeah, Dad was really creative and playing played music all the time and always had these strange kind of creative projects going on around the house. Right, right. Tell us about one of them. Um, oh, he'd, he'd, do, he'd, he'd make canoes, like, he'd do a lot of fibreglass things. He'd, mm. he'd, do, he'd go, go fishing mm. and catch a fish and then he'd make it, he'd sort of mount the head of the fish on a fi- fibreglass sort of little pedestal. Mm. It was really ugly and smelly. <laughs> but he, or he'd make some sculpture out of matchsticks and wax or mm. and, we, and he had a, we had a dark room under the house so he'd he always we'd always be um doing developing photos and shooting films and we, he, we used to have to open our Christmas presents twice because he so he could get a better camera angle filming <laughs> oh that's pretty yeah. common among dads I've, I've done that yeah, myself yeah. you know so yeah, yeah. you tell them not to tear off the paper the first time you know just to peep <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got much uh, knowledge about his uh, background in Hungary? Well, well, you see, when they came out, they kind of decided to not be Jewish. Right. Um, which apparently, because we were in touch with other relatives in Melbourne, apparently that wasn't such a big deal for their family because they weren't so practising mm. um, and they wanted to just fit in, I guess, yeah. in Tasmania. But um, but my my sister's actually been doing a lot of research lately, in the last few years about um, who survived and who didn't survive in the Holocaust over there. So that's been pretty um, horrific. Mm. Um, but he, I mean, I actually wrote my dad's um, life story when I was young, but I've but we, I lost it. <laughs> so and I so I can't I can't really remember much of that, but um. Yeah, it's somewhere in a little orange exercise book. Mm. Yes. You can see it. <laughs> <laughs> if we see it, we'll, we'll send it to you for a price. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you know, we, li- <laughs> we live in a commodified society. You know, price for yeah, everything. Yeah, I absolutely no, I understand it. Uh, so, what was your dad's name? Well, in Hungary it was Dury, but then when he came to Australia, it was George. George what? George Ertler. Uh. And have you been back to Hungary? Yeah, my sister and I went, um, about 1996 we went back. We went, went um, and we, we did look up our name in the phone book. There was a few, a few Ertlers, um, mm. but 
think we did. I think someone tried to ring them for. I don't know. Something happened. We didn't really. Yeah, we didn't do any research while we were there. Right, right. But it was some. Um, we and we actually. We remember when we went. We we're on the train going across from Austria, crossing the border. And we kind of we sort of expected to have this kind of overwhelming feeling of something when mm-hmm. we crossed into Hungary, but, but we didn't. No, that's right. Look, don't, don't be surprised. I've done the same thing, and uh, I think I think it's overrated. You know, the feeling. There's so many people I speak to on the program. They say I went back and I felt as if I've never left. And I'm going, oh yeah, oh yeah, to myself. I wish I could feel that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, tell us about your mum. Oh, so she, that's um, my mum. Her name's Darylin. Uh she, she lives in Hobart at the moment. Um, she's eighty-six. And she was a um, kindergarten teacher in Devonport, mm. um, which is where actually mum and dad met, because dad was picking up her, his um, niece from the kindergarten. Mm. Um, yeah, and mum, mum, oh, mum's great. She used to do. She used to be an opera singer when she was young. Really? Yeah, but then something happened when she was about twenty, and she lost her confidence and lost. She sort of was, I think her teacher sort of was training her too hard or something and she, yeah. she, uh, anyway, she sort of stopped. I think she always kind of regretted, regretted that. Mm. But, um, but, um, she's a, uh, what else can I say about my mum? Mm. She, um, I don't know what else to say about my mum. That's all right. Don't worry. Can you ask me more questions? <laughs> well, I could ask you some more questions like, have you got any brothers and sisters? Oh, yeah, I've got a couple of sisters and a brother. Oh, I'm right. older than me. And they're still around? Yeah, yep, yep. All in touch? Tass- no, and I live next door to my sister, and we, she's a year older, and we've always been sort of best friends. Mm-hmm. A year and a day older, so we always sort of pretend that we're, you know, almost twins, but not quite. Um, <laughs> and my old, older brother and sister live in Sydney. So right. Different parts of Sydney. All right, so... Your parents, how would you describe your upbringing? I know you said it was wonderful, but were they strict or did you just do what you like? Or? Oh, I think, I think, well, that's a funny, no, they weren't really strict. I think somewhere in the middle, really. I think, <laughs> right. I think maybe mum was probably, a, try, tried to be a bit stricter. Hmm. And um, they got, mum and dad got on really well, I think. I think Mum sort of tolerated Dad's kind of eccentric, eccentric, eccentricity. Eccentricity, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so to see was, yeah. Mm. Um, and I think, I mean, we, the siblings sort of got on mostly. We, there was kind of just normal rivalry, I guess, but nothing yeah. too serious. Right. And and. Um, I, but I guess I, when I think of my childhood, I kind of think of how it was filled with, mu- with a lot of music just um, around the house, and right. I feel very lucky lucky to have had that. Well, did your mum continue to listen to opera, or what type of music was it? Was no, well, most it was Dad sort of would say, oh, come on, who wants to have a sing sing song? Because he'd buy all these old instruments from garage sales <laughs> and kind of do them up. Not really well, but sort of as roughly as he could. And then, and he wanted to practice them. Mm. So one of us, he needed someone to play the piano. Right. So, so one of the kids would play the piano and sort of songs from the old Reader's Digest songbook. And 
um, so he could practice his violin or his clarinet or something. Mm. <laughs> oh. oh, he sounds like that extraordinary man. So, where did you go? To, did you go to school in Devonport as a youngster? Yeah, I went. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Devonport Primary and, oh. and high school. Yeah. And high school. Any any particular teachers that stand out? Not the bad ones. We we don't want to defame them. They could still be alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, actually, that's funny because I was thinking about my primary school music teacher last mm. year, just mm. Doran, um, and I, and Mum. We were trying to find out if she's still alive because I wanted to write her a letter because because she taught me some great things that I still remember about songwriting and you know she'd put um she'd put thumbtacks in the piano. In the in the hammers of the piano, right. so when the so when the instead of the felt hitting the string, the metal thumbtack would hit. So it was sort of sounded like a kind of honky tonk piano. Right. And I thought that was pretty kind of interesting for a, I don't yeah. know for a primary school piano te- um, music teacher. Oh, that is interesting. I was a bit concerned she put the thumb thumbtacks on the ivory so you'd get the right <laughs> notes. Oh yeah, that, that would be another way to do it. Yeah. Make sure you hit the right note at the right time. Yeah. And she also taught us, you know, when you're writing songs, that um, you can change the words. You know, you, I mean, you can what? change the... You can change oh, the no, words. No, 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 so you can change... Um, she used a song in, um, in, from The Wizard of Oz, If I Only Had a Brain. Mm. She used the word funk instead of think because it rhymed. Right. Anyway, but um, and she used to, and she'd write songs. She wrote a song about Darth Vader, and she wrote a song about I, don't know, I can't remember for Year of the Child or something. She wrote a song. Anyway, it, it, uh, yeah, I remember her. I remember her well. She sounds like she sounds like she had the most important thing when you're teaching enthusiasm. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And what was her uh, high school like? Well, I did. So for half of high school, I went to Devonport High, and then then. I went to Launceston and I actually went to boarding school for a few years mm. because my sister really wanted to go and I had to go because I wanted to be with my sister. Right. So, so, so that was, that, I, I don't know, it was a kind of, um, it was a school that was very male-dominated and sports-dominated. And I, you know, looking back, I, that wasn't great. No. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I, I didn't. I had friends and it was all right, but I think it wasn't the best sort of. And, and and there was really bad music music department or hardly anything actually. Right. So did you did you finish high school? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So obviously, Dad's death would have been possibly around this time. Were, were you home when it happened, or were you at boarding school? Uh, yeah, I was at home. Mm. It was it was, um, it was a weekend, so. But it was the end of grade 11 mm. in December. So I was home. I think, yeah, we're all, we're all home. Right. So obviously it would have had a profound impact on your grade 12 studies. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. Mm. But I think, um, I suppose, I don't know, if the study sort of almost, well, still, you had, yeah, had to do it and maybe, I guess, it was a distraction from it as well. Yeah, yeah. So, did you excel at anything in high school apart from music? Oh, I remember I got about five percent in an accounting exam. Five percent—that's 
Forced to go to work because of financial considerations, or you're able to continue your studies, or no? I actually, I so my sister must have stayed home with mum mm. for a few years, and then I actually followed my big brother to Sydney. What at eighteen? And when I was eighteen, oh, you went yeah. to Sydney. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I was on the dole. Oh no, is that what you get when you? Study or Australia or whatever. Australia, whatever it was, yeah, yeah. And then, and I do sort of part-time um, market research, phone work, which lots of other friends were doing. If, if, if there weren't, if you've, most of my friends were taxi drivers, the men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then, um, but then, yeah, I did market research. I did, oh, it's horrible. You have to ask people questions about. I remember once doing an interview for it was for underwear. Right. So if you talk if you talk to the mother of a family who bought all her family their underpants and socks, it would be like a twenty or thirty minute survey that you had to ask her. <laughs> and they would hang on to the phone and listen to you. Oh, yeah, not always. But... <laughs> Sounds exciting. Sounds like exciting work. You know, you're doing there checking on people's underwear. So, so what, what were you studying at the same time? Oh, so I did a year studying at Sydney Uni because I didn't get into art school, which I wanted to do. So I just did arts at Sydney Uni and did, um, I think I did you know, things like social anthropology and um, and then and, art, and fine arts. And then, so then the, the, I did that for one year and then the, then I got into art school. So then I just did um, started off doing paint, painting for right. a couple of years. Oh. But then I got a bit... So did you, have to, did you have to kind of bring in a portfolio to get into art school the first time, did yeah. you? Yeah. 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 It's a big yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you had an interview in the portfolio? Yeah, I can't even remember. Uh-uh. I, I can't re- remember. Must have. Yeah, must have been, yeah. been devastating, you know. Here you are, you're on a career path and you bring in your portfolio, you have your interview and they say, oh, piss off, go to Sydney University. Yeah. Because I was in Tasmania, I think I didn't have an interview. That's right. All right. I think I just sent stuff. Or, you know, how would you do it in those days? Post things. Right. Post. Post. Yeah. Yeah. So you eventually got to art school. What did you think about that? Oh, that was great. You know, it's exciting meeting all these people and and painting every day. Mm. Yeah, and then, but then I then I sort of. I, I was, I was shy, and I was sort of too shy to, I didn't really perform music or anything. But then I sort of started doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, and then I, then I kind of, I did this other subject, which was just kind of performance art and sound and things like that. And then, but then I, then we started this theatre group called the Post Arrivalists, and it was about eight, oh, six or seven or eight, got a bit bigger every year. And, and that was the best thing about, about art school was meeting this, these people and doing this thing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of like, oh, how do I describe it? 
it was like we all wore pink kind of work dresses, like right. um, checkout dresses and boots and black balaclavas. Oh. And this is sort of, you know, in the days when you could get away with doing that. And we'd do kind of these big spectacle performances. Right. But they were often sort of, sometimes they were kind of nonsense. But, um, but, but we'd do things like go to Oxford Street in Sydney on New Year's Eve and we'd stand there with our balaclavas and let off marine, marine flares. Right. Or, 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 or um, I don't know, we did it. We did a big performance at the Biennale of Sydney once. Right. At the opening, the opening of it at the big fancy art gallery. And part of it was we, we, we were wait, waiters and we walked around offering people food. Mm. But the food gradually got sort of more ridiculous. So it ended up being it ended up being dog food. Right. Like a pate with biscuits. <laughs> ah, performance art at its best. Yeah. So this was the mid-80s, was it? Um. That was no, that was the nineties. In the nineties, yeah, early nineties. Yeah, early nineties. Yeah. 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 It does, doesn't sound like a good way to make a living. Oh, well, no, good... we, no, we did. We got really good at writing grants. So oh, we got, right. We got, we got all this money from the Australia Council to do things like that. Oh, you wouldn't get and, away with it today. No, and because um, <laughs> and we were still, but we were all still working, mm. and we and um. But we'd do things like if we got a grant. Oh, I can't remember. Like we didn't use much of it on our wage, on our wages, because we put it all into promotion and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, so we just, I don't know, or, or still on the when you could sort of live on the dole back in those days, or yep. doing part time work or whatever. Sounds sounds yeah. idyllic. So, what type of uh, accommodation were you? Were you, were you squatting or share accommodation or? Uh, yeah, always share. Or big sort of warehouses and places where you're squashing 10 people and it was really cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Or I remember one warehouse was this old sort of engineering workshop. We had to, you know, water pressure the floor. It was really greasy before we moved in. Mm -hmm. And it was like this big hangar and, you know, someone would live up the ladder and it was all just little tucked away little... Someone lived in the middle in a teepee. Actually, that was my sister. She came to visit and she right. moved in and set up a little teepee in the middle. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, always, always. I really, I really hated the idea of having to pay normal rent. So I always found cheap places. Oh, that sounds quite uh, idyllic lifestyle. I mean, oh well, yeah, I think yeah. Things must have gone wrong sooner or later. Here you have a, a idyllic lifestyle as a child. You breeze oh, through yeah. school, you, you turn up at Sydney and, you know, you're living off artistic grants and part-time work and interesting oh, yeah. environments and meeting fascinating people. When does it all go wrong, Rose? Oh, when my dad died, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I, really, I, I kind of, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to go back to that and upset you, all right? I was trying to be, I was trying to be facetious and I failed. You know? Yeah, I know. All right. So, yeah, no, so how, know, long, how long did this... How long this go on for? This can't go on forever. You've got to be a wage slave sooner or later. Oh, <laughs> oh well, I've just, I've just thought, I mean, I, I have, I, no, I have had proper jobs, but I've always, I've always avoid, tried to avoid it because, because, because I don't, I, I've always wanted to, um, well, you know, I mean, I've, I don't know, I, I, I'm not trying to, I've always lived really cheaply. Mm. 
and not sort of, I don't know, I don't want to do that thing of getting well, married and having kids. And right, right. I suppose I've always had low costs. Like, what's it called? What's that word? Um, You've had no yeah. dependence. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the key. That's what gives you that freedom because you don't have dependence, obviously, but depending yeah, on yeah. you. If you, yeah. can, if you can feed yourself and find a roof, you're, you're yeah, all right. Yeah. So how long yeah. did this last for in Sydney? Oh, I stayed there for about 14 years somehow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I, I was sort of, I mean, I, I was doing, I was, then I sort of would also do um, work, but not sort of like day job. But I mean, like, I'm doing writing, doing music for theatre shows mm-hmm. and also some started doing kind of publicity for friends theatre shows mm. and had a few bands as well but that wasn't so much money making right tell us about the bands what were you were you, were you actually in the band or were you managing them or yeah no, I was in, I, uh, the main couple was well, one was sort of with my sister and a drummer mm-hmm. and that sort of I don't know poppy band but we played we sort of wore funny costumes and made it theatrical that was called Spooky Loop. Right. And I played electric guitar and a bit of keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was, main one was called Toy Death, which was um, playing plastic kids' toys, sort of electronic kids' toys. Mm-hmm. That were, so it was sort of a bit kind of noisy and electronic-y. Mm-hmm. And we did dress, dress up in as kind of toy characters. And, mm-hmm. So if I surf the net, will I um, come across any of this? Uh, Toyota's still in existence, but um, Spooky Loop was pre-internet and we kind of... Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. well, the, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm not that fussed about that. Even in that performance group, post-arrivalists, there's a bit of one of the... You know, there's a bit of contention in the group because some people want to put it all up on the internet because we've got lots of videos and documentation. But others of us just don't care. No, that's right. It's the past, isn't it? It doesn't matter. Look, I wake up every morning and I think that. I think that one day the earth will disappear and all human endeavour will disappear with it, except little bits of pieces on a spaceship somewhere. (laughs) When you think about it, when you really think about it, you're, you're quite right, you know. Thinking about it, it doesn't really matter if it goes up or it doesn't, does it? No, no. I, I don't care if anyone sees it or doesn't mm. see it. Or, mm. Yeah. Mm. It's not really important. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. Thank you, 3CR. We love you. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org. .au, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Nice. What made you leave uh, Sydney after 14 years? Uh, I, got, I, I got really sort of anxious. I, I, mean, I don't know, everything was too fast and noisy. 
and and I, and I and I'd I'd been um um I'd got a couple of jobs that took me to to Europe doing music for some theatre shows. Oh, tell us about them. So I'd sort of um oh the first time actually was my my sisters the band I was with my sister we we was when we we wanted to go to Hungary. Mm-hmm. So at the, our drummer said, oh, I'll come through and we'll do some gigs. So we ended up sort of traipsing around Europe doing these little gigs, sleeping on people's couches and, you know, just... Um, and then and then we met... Oh, then we met this theatre group in Frankfurt and ended up staying there for six months, which is really amazing experience. There's this big group of about ten people who lived in this big sort of warehouse on the sort of industrial area of Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. And we just, they lived, they all lived in caravans out the back and oh, beautiful old wooden wagons. And and so we just hung around with them for a few months, six, yeah, six months. Yeah. And went to Portugal, went to Portugal with them and camped on the lake for a month doing Japanese buto training every day. Right. Could you really explain what, what that entails for our listeners? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. In Portugal, camping by the lake with this group from Frankfurt, and you're doing Japanese budo training. I'm, I'm intrigued, Rose. I think you, you know, you've done more than most of us. So, oh, what, what, no. what, what did that entail? Oh, so, and it was actually amazing. This lake. It looked like Australia. This lake because it was. Sort of red earth and gum trees everywhere. Yeah, but, um, you know the gum trees are from Australia. Yeah. yeah. Because all those places, I mean, I remember in, was it 82 or 81, I went to Santorini in Greece. Yeah. And got off the boat, was walking up the, um, you know, up the incline because couldn't afford a donkey, you know. And yeah. when I get to the top of the incline, this woman's trying to sell me wattle. Wow. <laughs> I'm thinking, where am I? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're everywhere. Did you buy some? I didn't have any money to buy wattle. So let's um, get back to this lake and, this, uh, and the gum trees and the red dirt. Yes. Oh, yeah. So we, th- these Germans, they, they were so, um, they were just so efficient. And <laughs> we, had, we, had, we got there and built, put up this big bedroom tent, mm. this huge big tent that was the, that was for our training every day. And in another small tent that was a kitchen tent. And what they Beautiful. bought the tent with them from Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah. They oh. they, they came. They drove in this big old this a uh, big orange bus. It used to be a library bus mm. that would go around mm. the towns. And they could sleep in. I don't know about fifteen people could sort of sleep in it. And we we followed them in this old bomb car that we bought. <laughs> and. And tailed along behind us, and then, and then yeah, so they had this big tent, and then they had the kitchen tent that had even a full oven that they brought, and and you know, ah, oh, they were just so organised. And, and and so yeah, so every day we'd, and everyone would sleep out in um, sleep out in the bush. Mm-hmm. So I, I, one of them became my boyfriend, so we just slept out in a hammock every night. It was really great. Sounds anyway, like, then, look, so, I, I don't want you to go into details, please. Oh, no, no, that's it. <laughs> I mean, sleeping in a hammock, two people sleeping in a hammock that are in a relationship, it, the mind yeah. boggles. I'm yeah, sure you yeah. fell out occasionally, did you? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then anyway, we'd get up in the morning and we'd, we'd, and we'd go into this big tent and do this sort of Japanese, uh, all these really these exercises. Of, uh, I remember one, you had to pretend that you were, 
so um, sort of meditative movement. Mm. One, one, we had to pretend that we were dragging our dragging our grandmother along, or something. <laughs> right. yeah, it, or we had to walk her, to, like spin in a circle in slow motion, right. as if in the distance we could see our best friend in the distance walking around. You know, we had to do these sort of, and so, and so it was kind of because like, I was doing some of it. Was, I was shy still, even though I could play music, but doing that sort of stuff was a bit confronting. Uh, look, can I, can I ask a question? What did the locals think of you? <laughs> well, well, we were sort of tucked away in this place, and, and there's also a lot of the locals there were German in this particular area. Right. right. G- the German so, enclave in, uh, in Portugal, right? Yeah, yeah. So we were kind of didn't even have much contact with it. Mm. I, I remember one, we did meet some, a local farmer once because we went and bought this um, alcohol from him. Madronia, which apparently was banned in other countries because it was hallucinogenic or something. So we did meet. We didn't meet him. Mm. All right. Okay. All right. You eventually got back to Australia and you moved to Melbourne. Yeah, I moved to Melbourne because I thought just thought the music scene sounded better, and and I, and I also remember at that time thinking about how, what to do with music, and I thinking how um, when my dad died. That my mum would listen to music on the radio every night, for, you know, at two, three o'clock in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of, I don't know, it just sort of sunk in how important music is and how, yeah, necessary it is and how use, useful it is for for us. And yeah, so then so then I moved to Melbourne and I kind of started doing more community stuff. I, I worked at a place people with a disability doing music. Mostly, kind of songwriting, and and then and then I suppose sort of started the idea of kind of doing more community things using music and art. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so, so yeah. could you tell us that intersection between community and art and music? Because obviously, it's a, you know it's. Kind of a lost. I hate to use a lost art, isn't it? Is it? Well, I'm just thinking. I mean, music possibly in, in a former time was just part and parcel of everyday life. Now we we kind of you know we're more listeners than manufacturers. And so, when you go into when you were doing your music and disability um, yeah. work, uh, what was the idea behind it? We ask the hard questions here, you know, on Radical Australia. Yes, um, <laughs> I, could, I could hear you kind of, you know, wondering how to answer this. You know, no, no, it's good to think about it because, um, I mean, I suppose, you know, I kind of hate that idea of, you know, going in to help people. Yeah, that's sort of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. But, you know, really, I suppose, I mean, I suppose part of it is kind of having fun with music and with different people mm-hmm. but but um and I suppose you know that, that some a couple of these places I worked at they were, they were doing you know having a great time singing along with ABBA and all these sort of favourite hit songs which was good and and I guess you and then but then but then I also we did sort of songwriting stuff which was also I think I think that then people make things that are their own 
and it, and it sort of becomes their story and their memories. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I'm not really answering the question, am I? You are, you are, you are. No, 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 you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I suppose for me, I know that when I have felt sort of anxious or sad or, you know, down, that I know that music can, it's, it's just so powerful in shifting things or, you know, Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember in Sydney when I was, had, you know, I was feeling stressed or something, and I, and, and I and I and I just discovered that Kashmir song with Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I so I'd wake up in the morning and just put speakers next to my head and just play that really loud. Mm-hmm. It was really amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you think this? Well, obviously, it's interesting that your family background is that your mum trained as an opera singer till she was twenty. Your dad was kind of an amateur, every, you know, every, every man musician, yeah. you know. So obviously, it had a profound impact on your on your later yeah. life. I mean, yeah. I, I came from a family where there was music didn't exist, and you know, and I yeah. still have minimal interaction with music. And, to, and you, yeah. your, your life is is music, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely affecting. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine what it would, what it's like to not play because that's all I. That's, yeah, that's what I want to yeah. do. I Tell us about but, songwriting. You've done a lot of songwriting. You, you say, how, how do you go about that? Yeah, well, I, I, got, I did get stuck a few years ago, and I wasn't writing much for a few years, except if someone asked me to, or if I felt like I needed to do something for someone, or but. But then the last, actually, six months, I, I read this thing where you wake up in the morning and for the first 10 minutes, you write a song every day. Right. So I did start doing that. And then that was, a, that was, so that, that's one way to write a song. Well, <laughs> so discipline, like discipline, discipline, the same thing every day, yeah. Yeah, and, and just a short time, so you're not kind of like putting this pressure on yourself that you've got to spend an hour. Or, right. And, you, and you're also a bit half asleep, which is really interesting because like for five minutes you're half asleep and you just write words down. Mm-hmm. And then for five minutes I just grab the ukulele and put it... Record, um, ukulele. You, yes. you use the U word. Ukulele. <laughs> How long has this been part of your life? Oh... Uh, I think I did my first gig in 2000, the ukulele, yeah. 22 years ago, the ukulele. So what what, what dragged you along to the ukulele? What did you find interesting <laughs> I about it? I, I, I think I, I just had one because I sort of had a few instruments when uh, I was doing theatre stuff, so it was just sort of... Uh, but then... You're your father's daughter, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you had a few instruments, so did you? Yeah. You didn't buy your second hand, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go, your father's <laughs> daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is a great compliment to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, and, and that's right, my keyboard got stolen and something else happened. Did it get stolen in Melbourne or Sydney? No, in Sydney. Yeah, I, I expected that. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Terrible, they're terrible people <laughs> up there. Scaling down things, that's right. Because I think I think I'd just been to Europe. Or I was just going or something, and because I, I, I never really liked the idea of having lots of possessions. Mm-hmm. You know, I've lived in caravans and stuff, and I just really, I find it sort of stressful the idea of having stuff. Mm. 
So well, but, um, you, your life is in a suitcase at the minute, is it? Well, no, not now because I've got a, I've got a house now. Oh. A, yeah. Well, let's get back to the ukulele. We'll get we'll get to the house. Soon. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you started with the ukulele. Where has that led you to? Oh, that's just that was that's been amazing because there's this whole you know international family of ukulele players. <laughs> and, and yeah, it really is. I could I feel like I could travel. You know, to so many places, and um, just find the local ukulele club and have somewhere to stay. You know, or, so um, and and also that you know, I mean, that was also the great thing that that kind of was the connection with meeting um, my West Papua and friends. Oh, where did you meet them? Well, I met them at Bar Three Hundred and Three in Northcote right. at a at a ukulele night. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I really loved the way they played because it's kind of different to um I don't know the the, the wide Australian ukulele scene <laughs> wow oh um, hey we stumbled onto something here factions <laughs> within the ukulele brigade <laughs> yeah, well, yeah so what, what's all but what's all this about you know no, no, it's just like, I, I suppose it's the, you know we're so close to the Pacific Islands and mm. um and I, I know when the ukulele scene kind of started in Melbourne in the the beginning, um, Dean, who, who ran ran the, ran the group and ran the, you know gigs, so he did. You know, he tried to. Um, there were, he, he sort of tried to connect with the some Pacific Island groups, mm-hmm. and the, and some Tongans played uh, a group of Tongan players, beautiful players, and that, that um, played. This is like I don't know, what, you know, two thousand five or something. Mm. Um, and there, and I, and I actually, and I talked to some of them and, and asked them for some tips on playing, and that, that completely changed my ukulele style because they do this kind of triplet, fancy triplet strum, <laughs> and that, and that, and, that, and then, so then I think from that I sort of I became more aware of the of the sort of Pacific Islands and playing, but but I think I think you know that, that those the, those island communities they they don't need to be part of of the ukulele scene because they've got their own. Scene, you know? Right. But but the ukulele scene has kind of created this thing, which is really great because it's a really community, family kind of feeling. With, so, you know. so let's say you go to Outer Mongolia, there'd be a ukulele group. Pardon? I say you go to Outer Mongolia, and there would be a ukulele group. Is that what you're saying? Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's non-threatening, isn't it? It's a non-threatening instrument, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think, and it's not as much sort of ego. You know, you know I think you kind of compared to you know electric guitar or something. Yeah. And how how hard is it to learn, say, compared to another instrument, a more traditional instrument? But apparently, it's in the the um, Guinness Book of Records as the most easy instrument. Right. No, um, I mean, it's like anything, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, it's not like anything. But of course, to play it, to play it, basically, mm. it's not too difficult. But you know, there's some really amazing players around the world, and so um, you know, to play it really well, it's as difficult as anything. I think. Right. And how, how well do you play? Can I ask? Um, <laughs> I play all right. So you're up there at the top notch. Oh, yeah! Come on, don't, don't, come on. 
no, no. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Come on, tell us you're one of the Australia's <laughs> best ukulele players. Come on. No, no, no. I thought no ego, fun. no ego. I'll, I'll have the ego for you, all right? You are one of the best ukulele players in this country. <laughs> oh, God. No. I can't believe this. Here we are. We've got a star and she pretends she's not a star. So, today... Players now. There's so many people playing. Yeah, I, I but as you say, they're all basic. They're all basic. They haven't been at it since, oh, for 22 years. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, but I've convinced the, you. The, 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 um, the West Poplins kept me on my toes. Did sure. they? Yeah. Well, so did you start playing with them, did you? Well, I just... Um, what happened? Oh, that, it was just before um, that, the Freedom for the Chiller, which was the... Mm. the I think 2018, yeah. I think, yeah. This happened after like 2018. Well, so, did you actually yeah, start playing with the group? Did you? Or? Well, no. So then, so then I organised a few gigs, uh, sort of uk- but like kind of ukulele gigs, but with the with them. So we we, did, we sort of played in Ballarat and Tasmania mm-hmm. and Melbourne, and that was sort of to raise money for the Freedom Festival. But also, I just thought it kind of could be great to for these ukulele players to see to see how you know this different style of playing and also. At the same time, to learn about what was happening in West Papua. So then, so then I just sort of gradually hung around with, and then I wrote, wrote a song for them. And then Ronnie would say, oh, "Come and come and play that song on stage with us." Mm. And then that, then it's oh, just stay on stage for the next song. And then I'd sort of like, well, I don't know this song, but just sort of strum along. And it looked like I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And then so yeah. So then just I just sort of hung around and gradually they said, "Oh, you know," I became in the band. Mm. And are you still playing with them? Well, I mean, we haven't played since, you know, for two years. And it's yeah, kind of hard. I know, I know. I, with COVID-19, I mean, when are you going to get back together again? And because and sort of half the group, or some in Canberra now, and yeah. all, all spread out a bit. Yeah. The last gig was actually in Tasmania at the Signet Oak Festival. Yeah. You should have a reunion, I reckon. Come on, everybody's starting to travel. Come on, have a reunion. I mean, everybody's having a reunion these days. You've got these old rockers still going at 70 and 80. Why can't you have a reunion? Oh, yeah, no, I'm up for it. I'm just waiting for the call. All right, I'll I'll, um, I'll push a few buttons when I see people on Sunday and see what's going on here. I'm a a bit pissed off that you haven't done it. You haven't done anything for a while, to be honest, you know. Because I, I went yeah. to a few of the gigs and I was, I was even I was impressed and I'm tone deaf. Yeah, right. There you go. Well, there you are. So, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, you're not one of these people who says nobody's tone deaf. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I was about to say that, but 
So what's this about a house? You find yourself in a house after caravans, hum- hummocks, Bedouin oh, tents, cars. Well, um, so yeah, I've ended up in a little village in Tasmania. Are you um, in Tasmania today? Well, no, no, right now I'm in Malden actually. But oh. I'm, I'm, over, I'm over here for a month. Uh-huh. But I've spent, I've spent eight, I wasted eight, eight of those days with COVID. Oh, that's <laughs> no good. How, how, had you been vaccinated or not? Yeah, yeah. And how bad, and how bad was the COVID? Um, it was, it was, wasn't much fun for about eight days. Mm. I couldn't really do anything. I was just lying. And, and I, I didn't have, I had a bit of a cold for the first yep. two days and then yep. the rest of it was just, my body was just really, I couldn't, it was just really heavy. And yeah. I, I could feel... Yeah. Sort of this bubbling, tingling in my in my arms and legs, and, mm. and sort of just felt like, yeah, that's what that's what a virus feels like. Yeah, look, uh, look, don't, never let it be said that Victoria doesn't share. All right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very generous, very generous. No, yeah. I, I, actually, I think I got it on a boat coming over. Oh, uh, no, I was thinking of going on the boat in a few months' time. I better not. Uh, tell us about this yeah. village, the idyllic village life in Tasmania. Oh, no, it's not... It's not idyllic. you're an entertainer who plays the ukulele yeah, yeah, yeah. and writes songs, <laughs> I think it is easier to grow food than make money in Australia. Uh, and, and I can take a bunch of silver beet down to the, to the local shop and swap it for an ice cream. Ooh, sounds good. Can you tell us, nobody listens to this program, so you can actually tell us where it is. <laughs> um, it's called Chudley, Chudley Chudley. Cadley Chudley. It's just out of Deloraine. Oh, right. Sort of yep. north, north of the mm-hmm. oh, That's good. So, have you got anything lined up to do in Melbourne apart from turning up on the 27th? Well, you know, something terrible, though. I've got a gig on the 27th. You haven't. Oh, oh Rose, the... Rose, Rose. Where's the, where's, tell us about the gig, and then I'll, we'll talk about the 27th. Well, tell us about the gig. I'm, no, no, where's the gig? Where's the gig? Where's the gig? Well, um, it's in someone's backyard in um, Brunswick. Brunswick. Yeah. Brunswick. Oh, that's not far from Lands. You can jump on a yeah. tram. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll come to the, yeah, come to the, come to the first bit. Yeah, it's at one o'clock for lunch. At least come for lunch. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to listen to the boring people after that, but come yeah. for lunch. <laughs> no, no, yeah. It's, it's, I love those. Um, I've been to only a couple there. Because if you hang around, we've got it. We've got an auction. We've got a, a, a person called David McKenzie. He's a bit like you, kind of a you know, one of these people who does things for the universe. And uh, he uh, he makes um, furniture from recycled timber. Oh, great! And he's donated yeah. uh, four pieces to be auctioned um, after yeah. after the speaker. So you know, if you need some Victorian hardwood that's been found yeah. under Nanagoon under a house, this is yeah, your chance. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, right. 
So, yeah, look, I just let people know about the West Papuan thing. Look, it's on this yeah. Sunday. It's the 27th. It's 838 Collins Street. Just walk around to the back. That's where the food and the uh, speakers are. Uh, it starts at 1, finishes at 4. Uh, it'll be a great afternoon for uh, Rent Collective members and non-members, obviously, and uh, 10 bucks if you're not a member for lunch. But you don't. lunch is not obligatory. So I'd like to see you there for lunch, Rose, because, I, I, you know... Yeah. I mean, I've never actually met a real ukulele player. Uh, what? What do you mean? Oh, those, <laughs> oh those, well, they're not real ukulele players. They're just, they're amateurs. You're, 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 you're no, a full-time no, professional. No, they're good. No, they're really good. They're, they're fast. They're fast. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're good. I mean, compared to you, they're, they're just, they're, they're part-timers. You're a full-timer. 22 years. What are you talking about? I've learned so much from them. Oh, them. Yeah, all right. Now, uh, <laughs> Can I ask you one last question? Because it's always oh, bothered yeah. me. Oh. Where yeah. did the ukulele? Has it got an origin, or has it just appeared? <laughs> no, it just appeared. No, well, Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh. Oh. It came from uh, apparently it was a um, Virginia, an instrument that came from Portugal. The Portuguese and then moved to Hawaii. I mean, there's all these stories. Apparently, you know, there wasn't much work for these car- Portuguese carpenters. So they started making, modifying the Virginia to make it into a, what is now the ukulele. And the, and, the, um, and the word ukulele translates as jumping fleas. Jumping fleas, that's and good. Apparently, the fingers move so fast on the fretboard that they look like jumping fleas. So is ukulele Portuguese or Hawaiian, the, the, the word? Well, he, um, Hawaiian, Hawaiian. Right, jumping flies. And it became really popular because the royal, at one point, I don't know what, what years this was, but this was like the late 1800s, early 1900s. It's not that very old. But the, the royal family were really, the king or whoever it was, was really into the ukulele <laughs> and really promoted it a lot. And, mm. and then, you know, got promoted. So surfboards and, and ukuleles. We're thankful to the Hawaiians for them, both of them. Both instruments of pleasure. Isn't that great? Yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, other countries export missiles and nuclear bombs and Hawaii, <laughs> ukulele and the uh, surfboard. Yeah. yeah. All right. Look, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Rose Turtle. Why the... Yeah, you can ask me a question, yeah. Oh, no, well, I don't know exactly what now. I just feel like I need to... Ask you an hour's worth of questions. Look, you're happy. Look, before you go, you can talk to Kelly, the world's greatest producer, and she may allow you to come into the studio to interview me for an hour and uh, (laughs) about non-musical subjects. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, but but there's only one issue. You'll need to bring your ukulele and be a singing broadcaster. Ah. Okay. All right. Sing sing the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Next time you come into Melbourne. We'll bring you in. Now, Rose Turtle, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I'm very pleased you were um, influenced by the West Papuan uh, Spring Band and uh, you uh, managed them for a while and uh, played with them. No, I didn't manage them. Yes, you did. You got them some gigs. You got that's management. That's management. No, no, no. You got them the gigs. You didn't tell them what to do. They wouldn't listen to you. But you got them the gigs. You got them the gigs. You know, we we all get gigs. But, you know, you, you got them gigs. And uh, yeah. please, please try to have a reunion concert. I think it would be a knockout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. 
think about it. Think I'll, about I'll, it. I'll, it's I'll, homework. I'll, we give homework here, and that's my homework to you. And if you don't do it... I'll ring the boss. I'll ring the big boss. Ring the big boss, whoever it is. Say we, we want a reunion. Can be next year. I don't care when, but it's got to, got to, got to go. So, thank you very much, Rose Turtle. Thank you very much uh, for the West Papua Independence Movement for putting you up for interview, and uh, hopefully everybody can come this Sunday. It's this Sunday, the twenty seventh of March, one pm to four pm at eight three eight Collins Street. You'll come there. You'll see a big empty door which is locked. Walk round the side, and there's that's where the life is. The ukuleles are. Thank you, Rose. Uh, 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 Andrew Wilkie's going to be there. Yeah, Andrew. No, no, it's going to be. It's all. It's all zooming. Oh yes, zooming. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. We've got the transitional West Papuan government and Jacob. Then we've got Andrew Wilkie uh, Zoom, and then we've got the auction, and then we've got coffee, and obviously right. at one o'clock we've got lunch, and it's an open day, and uh, obviously we're trying to get more members for the Rent Collective, but it's, yep. it, come and look at the office, meet the people, and. See if you're willing yep. to get involved. That's the key, Rose. You'd be crazy to miss it. Well, you would, but it would yep. be crazy if we missed the reunion concert of the West Papuan <laughs> String Orchid Band. They're the ones yep. I'm waiting for. Uh, every morning I'll wake up and dream about it. Oh, do you? Oh, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. You look after yourself and try not to get COVID when you go back to Tasmania. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye bye. Did you see the flying bird? Did you want to catch it down from the sky? Did you want to clip its wings? Did you want to put it in a cage next to you to keep you company when you're alone? Did you want to have it near you? Cheer you up with a song or little cheeping Look, what a beautiful bird Oh, what a fun little thing to have near you You must be really mean To keep that bird from flying You must be an enormous bastard To stop the bird been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.